Okay. Well, here we are again. And um, I'm Jenny. I'm a therapist down in Arizona. And I'm here with Dr. Kevin Skinner, who's the director for Bloom and a researcher and helper of people who are struggling with trauma, especially betrayal trauma, which is what this podcast is about. And um, today I wanted to bring up a subject that is sensitive, but also very real. And that's the idea and of um, wanting to hurt ourselves, thinking about hurting ourselves, maybe even doing things that we wouldn't normally do to injure or harm ourselves um, in the wake of this trauma. You know, Jenny, I, I, I'm glad that we get to address this topic because I think it's, it's, there's so much shame behind it that we aren't talking about it enough. And, and so uh, in my research, we ask questions about harming self mm-hmm. and, and about suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. And, and today, I, I, our opportunity to, uh, to talk about this, I think it's, it's timely and important uh, because my research is showing that it's very common. And uh, so, so I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this today. I am too. And, and I agree with you. It is common. It's not talked about enough. There is some shame. There's some fear behind it, um, especially for someone who's probably never felt those, you know, those feelings of wanting to hurt, harm themselves and suddenly be flooded. And I, I really want to normalize that, that many people who experience this kind of deceit in their close relationship, there is definitely that feeling of, oh my gosh, I can't live. I don't know if I can live. Can I move forward? Do I want to hurt myself. I'm not worth it. I'm not enough. Yeah. And, and uh, just to give you some specific numbers that I think are very important for, for people to listen to and, and understand. So uh, I asked the question, I'm worried that I might follow through on an impulse and hurt myself, which could be anything mm-hmm. from cutting, burning, scratching, um, which speaks to a deep emotional pain. And, and when I looked at the results, this is uh, just one of my many studies uh, this this sample, I think, was about uh, 1,800 plus people completed this question. So not a small sample, over 1,800 people. And, over people. T- and, and so if we just say, okay, 60, basically 63% of people said, nope, I, I'm, I've never done that. 63%. Well, okay, that's great that it's 63%, but what about the other 37% mm-hmm. that that have occasionally, which is the next uh, answer, which is over 20%, occasionally, I, I'm, I'm concerned I'm going to hurt myself. Well, that's 23 or whatever percent too many. And then about half the time is about six or 7%. And more often than not, you got about three or 4%. And always you got one or 2%. You add that up and you got about 37% of people that occasionally or more are concerned that they might hurt themselves. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And, you know, I I can't tell you how many stories I've heard, right, of a discovery. And then the person who's discovering falls apart and might do something reckless, you know, like you're saying, get in the car, maybe think about closing your eyes for a little bit, 
you know, even those kinds of things. Uh, maybe even, you know, drinking way, way, way too much, or maybe never drinking, having ever drunk before, but then drinking yourself into something scary, dangerous, um, maybe even more specific, you know, the idea of really planning to take your life. So those are very real. And like you said, even, even at the smallest level, you know, the 1%, it's, it's, uh, it's something that we care about. That 1% is essential and important. Yeah. And I, I, I want to speak to this because a lot of people feel a lot of shame because they feel that way. And if there's mm -hmm. anything that we can get across today is I don't want you to feel ashamed that you're having those thoughts or those feelings. More specifically, those thoughts, based upon my research, are common. Many mm -hmm. people are feeling this. And I've had to ask the question, what, what is that about? And it, I, I, my conclusion is there's so much emotional pain. It, it, it is so physically, viscerally painful, emotionally painful, shameful that I'm even having these feelings that I, I, I really, if I step back and listen to what I've been told, there's just no other place to put these emotions and, and I don't know what to do with it. And so it becomes an option that I could hurt myself. And if you are feeling that, I'm speaking specifically to our listeners, please know that you can get through this and, and that there can be a team of people who can support and help you through this. You don't have to suffer in silence. You know, now is probably a good time for me to bring up um, a national hotline. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're feeling these feelings, if you're really, if you're considering thinking, if it's even in your soul a tiny little bit, reach out. You can reach out to a friend, a therapist, someone that you trust. I'm going to bring up the national hotline because they are there 24 seven. They are awesome. They are available. They are trained to, to help you in that moment of crisis. Even if it isn't the crisis crisis moment, maybe it's just, I'm having these thoughts. I invite you call. Um, it's 1-800-273-8255. Two seven three, eighty two fifty five. These guys are awesome, awesome at what they do. Yeah, they're they're trained to, to support and understand and help you walk through. But I want to I want to speak more to those who may not be suicidal but are are inflicting some self harm, cutting, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. pulling hair, uh, burning, scratching, mm -hmm. and and the truth is is I, I my my experience is the anxiety, the internal tension is so high. I don't know what to do with this. I feel like I'm going to explode. I've heard people say. Now to that, I want to give some very specific ideas. But before we do that, we have to, we have to validate the suffering. All right. And I don't want to just give a solution. I want you to understand that, that the pain is real. It's not imagined. It's, it's legitimate physiological pain that your body is feeling threatened. It's feeling a deep loss mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't know where to go with it. And so it's trying to find a place to put it, which is one of the reasons why calling somebody, talking with somebody can actually be one of the best things that you can do. Suffering in silence, isolation, and alone time is not recommended when you're having those types of intense feelings. It's so true. It's kind of like we've said before on here, you know, whatever's going on inside, it needs to find a way out. 
and we want to help it find a healthy way out. And, you know, when I think about those thoughts of harming ourselves or suicidal thoughts, wanting to just be done with life because it is so incredibly painful, it's more, it seems more about the pain and the hurt that we're feeling and the re- the possible relief of suffering, right? Yeah. And there's a story I heard, and I can't remember where I've heard it. You've probably heard it. It's about horses. So horses live in a herd. You know, think of the 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 stallion horse. He's got his mares, and they got the babies around. But there's a there's an alpha mare that's in charge, really, and she kind of shows everybody where to go, to graze, to drink, to be. And the the female mare, what she'll do if a horse is naughty, and I don't know how a horse is naughty, but if a horse is really naughty, she'll take that horse and drive him to the top of the hill and leave, leave the horse there. And horses, right, they live in anxiety because they're a prey animal. So they're always afraid and being in together is that safety, right? So if the horse is taken to the top of the hill and, and left and he's alone, he or she's alone, that's a sentence for death. And I think this story reminds me so much of how we might feel when we are betrayed by our loved ones. We feel ostracized, taken to the hill, left alone, away from safety. And that's why it feels so much like the world is over Mm -hmm. as we know it. It's a real legitimate feeling, like you're saying, and very intense. And and then it makes sense that I'm going to cope the only ways that, that I know how. And, and, and if I don't have a template, how do I cope with this much emotional pain? How do I do that? Uh, and, and when I've talked with clients in that situation, I, I start with the most basic. And that starts with connection. Right? We, we all need somebody in those moments. That's just, it's just imperative. But let's say that I don't have anybody right now. I don't know who to reach out to. I don't know who I can. Well, that 1-800 number is a starting point if you have absolutely nobody. But reaching out to a friend, a family member, a religious leader, some, uh, somebody is, 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 a, is, I know it takes courage, but it's a starting point. It does take a lot of courage. I just want to pause on that one because, you know, I, I can't tell you, you know, even my own experience or the experience of people that I've worked with and when they share that really vulnerable, scary feeling of, I, I was cutting hmm. or... I really felt like I wanted to take, it's scary to verbalize those words. Yeah. I've heard some of the most faithful religious people that I know say things like, if it wasn't for my children, Mm -hmm. then I I wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. And and, and so that gets me to another point is we need to find um, kind of that foothold we, we need to find that, that place where we can get the grasp or that handhold. If we were rock climbing, we need that next step. And that next step, it, it can be reaching out. It, it can be also doing some personal relaxation, calming the mind, recognizing that this is, I don't know how, but this is going to pass for now. This emotional pain it will pass. And so when I talk about these, these most religious people I know, or, or faithful people or people who are genuinely happy and that kind of emotional pain, I know it's a deep and profound suffering. And, and so we do, we need connection and we need to give it a voice. And if there's another part there, 
the suffering needs a voice. Mm-hmm. That's one way that we can let that ang- those anxious thoughts, so to speak, come out of us is listening to what our body is saying. Yeah, that is. And, you know, I, I love what you're bringing up connection to others. If I don't have anyone immediately, okay, I've got this 800 number. And it isn't just for suicide. If you are thinking of hurting yourself in any other way, that's not going to end your life. You can call and talk to them that they literally is so kind, so good, so understanding. Um, and then you say, yes, the expression, getting that outside of our own body, getting that feeling outside, whether it's um, movement, writing, um, you know, any kind of way that you screaming. are able to express screaming, music playing, um, you know, whatever it might be, um, biting your pillow. I've done that a few times, you know, um, mm. And then another piece I think that you've touched on that I want to also highlight is connection to self. And, you know, when we think about attachment, we think about attachment to others, our, you know, parents, caregivers, our spouse, our partner, but there's also another piece of attachment that's attachment to myself. And you talk about self-soothing, how can I be safe in my own body? How can I find safety in my own mind, in my own heart, in my own gut? So really learning the language of your own body and how to calm, soothe, be okay here in it now. Yeah. That's a hard, I mean, it's easy for me to say that, but I know that's a really difficult skill. Have you ever been in a room that's just really, really, really hot? Hmm, I live in Arizona. Oh, no, you haven't been. Um, My air conditioning breaks every summer on cue. Yes, I have. I've been in a hot okay. room. So, so I'm going to put it in a different, uh, this heat in a different sec, uh, concept, context. Imagine that um, you turned on your heater and you couldn't get it turned off. Mm-hmm. And it's just blowing the hot air and it's blowing the hot air and it's blowing the hot air. And, and the reality is that's kind of what it's like when we're in that kind of emotional pain. Our, our internal system, the heater is on and we can't find the cool button. We can't turn away to find a way to turn down the thermostat. So the thermostat's all the way up and it's broken. We don't know how to shut it down. And when we're in that kind of emotion, when we're in that kind of emotional pain, we're burning up. We're saying, ah, now, interestingly enough, um, calling the neighbor, going for a walk is actually opening up the window mm-hmm. and letting some air from the outside in. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, taking it a little bit further, we might actually open up the door and, and leave the room for a little bit. And that's metaphorically, sometimes we need to let others into that world or we need to go into that world. And, and that world is a place of friendship or community, but it's also a place where I can become attuned to my body and recognize that I'm, I'm, I'm overheating here and I need to find a way to cool down. And, and some strategies for that we've already talked about, and that's giving it a voice, talking about it, and then listening to the body. Sometimes the body needs expression. You talked about movement. And I'll never forget the story of, of a client who shared with me um, just feeling so much emotional pain that she had been contemplating suicide. And she was in so much pain, she went into her bedroom and she locked the door. She went into her closet and shut the closet. And she said, I just 
sat down on the ground and wept, wept. Mm -hmm. And she said, I was rocking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, not knowing how long it was there, maybe an hour, maybe even two, a long time. And she said, as I rocked back and forth, I came to a memory of myself and my childhood. And remembering what my mom did to my family and her emotional distress and her not being available for her children. And she said, I realized I would never do that to my children. Going back to that memory of her as a teenager, I would never do that to my children. And, and so in came this feeling as she was rocking. And I think it's so interesting that she rocked throughout this uh -huh. process, rocked throughout this process, the body soothing itself, soothing itself. And she said, I got up. And I haven't considered that as an option again. Hmm. It was a therapeutic healing that she did on her own through rocking. Then came the memory. Then came the teenage her that said, not you, not your children. They're not going to get that. And she is a fighter. And, and to me, that is a model. Um, sure is not discounting the pain because she she was in clear pain but the model was she 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 in her closet she she rocked herself into the solution trusted her body listened to her own language i mean that's one thing i think that's really essential to this entire healing process is learn the language of yourself and I love this story because like you say, she goes into the room, she begins to just kind of flow with herself, let the tears come, release that. I mean, that's an external expression of what's going on inside, right? The body moving back and forth and staying with it. Mm -hmm. And then and then staying with the emotions that come up and with the memories that come up and the thoughts. And it just creates this whole flow. And I love the story because uh, one really premise I, I feel is so strongly about is everything you need to heal is already in you. Mm -hmm. It's already there. You're not empty or need something from the outside. You know, we just create space for you to find that stuff inside that's so powerful, like what, what this experience that you're talking about was. Yeah, and, and I would say what you, following up to what you just said, a friend of mine, uh, Ken and Sharon Patey, friends of mine, they taught me a very valuable lesson, they're therapists, but they had a, a phrase, the seeds to the solutions to your problems lie within you. Mm. And, and I, I couldn't agree more. Within us, yeah. all mm. of us, within all of us, we have internal strengths. And, and when we lose track or forget those strengths, our suffering is deeper. And, and so if you're listening, struggling, uh, questioning yourself, life, its purpose, inside of you, you are amazing. Don't ever lose track of who you really are. You're a fighter. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to us and, sh and let us share these ideas with you. Um, we know the suffering is real, but we also know that there are going to be answers. We might not see them right now. Your body can tell you. Friends, support system, giving it a voice, journaling, as you say. These are all real solutions. And when you feel the darkest and the deepest, you might need to reach out to a professional, to the 1-800 number, 
And if you're spiritual, there's also peace that can come through spiritual strength and pondering and meditating on spiritual matters. And uh, so those who are spiritual and use that as a strength, that too can be a great resource at times of difficulty. Yeah, it can. You know, and listening to all of those resources that we have that are inside, there's just a little piece that I want to also say is, you know, similar to the story you told about your client, I had a client one time, you know, have an argument with her husband about whatever was going on at the moment. And then it was really intense. And then she went in a room and she kind of did something similar, you know, like she went under her weighted blanket, turned on her music, turned on her heating pad, stayed under her blanket. And she came to therapy and she reported back to me what had happened. And she felt so much shame, like she'd failed. Mm. Right. So reframing that, I'm thinking, you did it. <laughs> you did the thing. You healed mm -hmm. yourself. You, you listened. You followed. And just like the story of your, you know, the woman that you're talking about that went in the closet, it's successful. Sometimes we feel that maybe if I crawl in a rock for a while, I'm, I'm not doing the work. And I really want to point out that numbness is a piece of the healing. I mean, you have to have numbness. It's part of the survival of trauma, but it's also part of the healing. And, you know, I have, like you said, going into your closet, shutting the door, climbing under a blanket, staying there. Um, I have another client who's like, I always uh, numb out and watch Grey's Anatomy over and over and over again. And, you know, that's her safety spot. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's, real value in knowing when my body and my emotions need rest and refilling. That's yeah. part of the flow. You're describing self-care and learning mm -hmm. to listen to the body. Numbing out is a protective barrier from doing something worse. Mm -hmm. Now, some numbing out can be dangerous, right? If I'm mm -hmm. drinking too much, if right? But, but the concept is really critical here. What is healthy distraction from the pain because sometimes we need a healthy distraction to, 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 to cope with that pain and I've heard people who are cleaners now that's probably one of the more common ones that I hear is people when they're when they're when dang they're it over, why did I get that one <laughs> right they're cleaners uh, and and <laughs> why didn't I get that one well so, so yeah yeah <laughs> right so I've heard people clean turn on music uh -huh. mm -hmm. Right. And I, I've, I mean, dancing, right. But, but I think it's intentionally saying, I'm going to take control of this moment. It's going to, as, as painful it is, as it is, I'm going to take this moment. And this moment is where I'm going to do this. Now, I, I should also say, realistically, it might not just be once that you have these feelings. They may come and they may come again. And they may come again and again and again. And when they come in a mindful way, we say, I see you. I know you. I'm, I'm familiar with that suffering. And I've made it through you before. And I'm going to be okay. So I see you today. And then you find what that solution is. I see you. I'm here with you. And you're here with me. So I see it and I acknowledge it. That's another way that we allow it to lose its power. Yeah, that's so very, very true. 
that loss of power, right? And secrecy, it's powerful. And there's, you know, there's shame, so much shame around it. Even ideas of cutting, right? Mm -hmm. Or other kind of things like, what, what am I cutting for? It doesn't make sense. And, you know, as we begin to really untangle what that's about, it's a release of emotion. Mm -hmm. It's a release of the intensity you know, the, the room is so hot, like you say, it's sweltering. I, I can't even think. I am out of my body. I'm crawling out of my skin. There's only one release uh, that I can think of. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just, uh, just a, a gentle compassion of understanding. I'm here. I can do this. I've seen you before, like you say. I know yeah. this. I'm going to practice my way through it figuring out what works for me and and it matters and you matter and the ability to work through this and 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 giving it that voice acknowledging it in that moment i see you again it loses its power and you're not going crazy please understand you're not going crazy as i often say it's actually more normal than you might realize and it's you're not alone many are suffering as you are, and just know that there's a group and a team of people that do care and will care. And again, it's it's knowing that you're not alone. You mentioned that horse. Mm-hmm. Um, I often have people that they they literally will tap themselves and nurture their inner self. And to me, that's one of the most powerful things that can be done is just allow nurturing to occur when you don't know where. And it may be, it may be an early childhood memory. It may be a grandparent sitting on their lap. I'll never forget where my client said, I don't have anybody who's living. I said, that's okay. And we went back to a memory of sitting on grandma's lap on a porch and they were rocking back and forth, back and forth and back and forth in grandma's lap. And that memory was what helped her through the suffering when she felt alone. So she brought grandma with her when she felt like she was alone. So many powerful ways we can soothe and help and connect to ourselves. Yeah. So the invitation is explore these options, explore these ways and explore you know, your own language, what works for you. I think uh, it's just um, a really powerful way to help yourself move through and navigate this kind of relational trauma, this kind of pain. Yeah. So again, I'm gonna give that national hotline number. It's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. I just wanna put it out there again. Like I said, whether you're thinking of hurting yourself, you're serious about it, even if it's not suicide that you're thinking, you're just thinking of hurting yourself call the number, talk to these people, connect. It's 800-273-8255, or you can Google suicide prevention Mm -hmm. hotline and that'll pop up. Well, I know this topic is a little bit weighty, but it's necessary. And so I I sincerely appreciate those listeners today who who listened. And uh, if you are feeling that way, or you know somebody, please send this resource to them so they have additional support. And uh, some of the solutions that we've talked about actually work. 
because I've seen people use them. Seen people use them and I've used them myself. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody. Um, as always, and we've loved your feedback that you've been sending lately, but you can always reach us at hello at bloomforwomen.com. It's always uh, good to get those comments and uh, your feedback. So thank you uh, for your time today. All right. We'll see you next time.